Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Last week, as we started the new year, I asked you guys to to fill out some questions. I gave some, or we have some in the back, and we still do some little forms with questions. And what we're doing is a series called Questions. And I think it's really important that we realize that questions are an important part of our life. The idea of a quest and search for something is at the root of this word questions. And so questions are a good thing. Jesus said to ask, please ask, to seek, to knock, that if we ask, it would be found, that if we sought after it, it would be found. If we knocked, it would be open. And if we asked, we would receive. That's how it goes. And so it's important that we understand the power of this. Now, I only received two questions from you last week, and one of them was, why don't we have any men's groups and functions going on? And that wasn't quite the kind of questions I was asking for. Um, There... There are other things like the Rooted program that is coming up, so I encourage you, if you're a guy, to get involved with that. I think that can help accommodate maybe some of what you're looking for in a men's group, and and we're not closed to men's group in the future. And the other question we had was, what are the signs to Jesus' second coming? And I was expecting something like that, and we'll definitely touch on those things uh, later on. Just in throwing this out there, Everything that I have heard about the signs to Jesus' second coming have yet to be accurate. I'll just throw that out there before I start into something. So for the 30 plus years that I've been a follower of Jesus, all the things I've heard that were supposed to be signs of his second coming have yet to be accurate. So we'll tackle that one just so might as well try and get it accurate, right? Um, but anyway, I thought it would be a great thing to engage in the questions that we find in Scripture or the questions we have about the Scripture. Uh, Two friends of mine who are down in La Paz, uh, Miguel and Brenda, one time they FaceTimed me and they said they, I was there on my computer talking to them, and Brenda said, 
Miguel and I wanted you to ask us some questions because we like it when you ask us questions. And that was their way of trying to get to what they were wanting to find out about a situation they were thinking about. And actually right now they are in Wales uh, doing some work on a farm in Wales for a period of time. But that was how they wanted me to interact with them. They wanted me to ask them questions because they find that when I ask them questions, it gives them insight to what's going on in their life. And I think that's so important. For so many years when I would counsel people, I just gave them information and I would ask or tell them what to do. I would say, well, here's what the Bible says. Here's what you're supposed to do. And this is my counsel to you. And then I found out that I was talking, but there wasn't a lot of changing taking place in people. And then I I started asking people questions. And I found that by asking questions, I got to actually find out where people were so that I could give better information. When you've got a a husband and a wife who are there before you and they're going through trouble and you ask them, do you want this to work? And the husband says, no, I don't. It's like, okay, what am I going to say to that? Okay, I'm going to give you a Bible verse and say, take a Bible verse and go home. If you're not wanting it to work, What am I going to do to make or change that? And at least I know now where you're at and we can talk about why you're there instead of just throwing something at you that may never deal with what is taking place. And so the idea of a question is on a quest to find out something. And what questions do is it helps us to understand in a way that we maybe wouldn't normally And so I want to encourage us to not be afraid to ask questions, that God welcomes them, that it's okay to be curious about things and wonder why things are the way they are. And and what I thought I would do right now is kind of move into a place where we look at some questions that God asks. You see, questions help us to to understand things. And and when you're asking questions, it's, it's important to know what are you asking for? Because if you're in business or you're doing research, the questions you ask can lead you to understanding things better. Why are there no profits in this quarter? Didn't that sound so businesslike? I said profits and quarter at the same time. Or if you're doing some kind of research, why aren't the cells masticizing? I don't know if that's a real word, but I thought I'd sound scientific. (laughs) You see, clarifying questions can help us better understand what's taking place. Or adjoining questions, questions that bring out implications of how this is going to affect a bigger picture. Funneling questions dive deeper. We ask these to find out how or why something is taking place, to get to the root of the situation. And we should do that with Scripture. We should ask questions of the Scripture. You see, if we're reading Romans 8, where Paul says, And those who he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Why is Paul talking about creation before he says that. 
Just a little insight if we're going to get into that predestination thing. Or in Romans chapter 9, where he says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Why does he quote Malachi? And what is Malachi talking about? Is he talking about individuals or is he talking about a tribe? See, asking a question like that to a passage gives us a little insight into what actually is taking place there. It's a funneling question. It's trying to get to the root of something. And I think it's important that we do just that, get to the root of these things. And so I want to start out at Genesis chapter 3, and you can turn there with me. We will seldom get the right answers if we don't ask the right questions. And I think we've come to a place in our society, in the church, where maybe we have felt that it is wrong to question Scripture. And when I say question Scripture, I meant just like what I'm doing, ask questions of it, ask why these things are taking place. And if we have like, why would God do that? Or why does the scripture say this? I don't think we should be afraid or shy away from those things. But in Genesis chapter three, we'll read from verse six. And we're familiar with the story. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Four questions that God asks here that I think it's important to understand as that question comes. The first question he asks, he asks, where are you? And it's a simple yet searching question because God is not wanting to know their location as far as where they are in the garden. I am pretty sure God could figure that out. I don't think God is, where are you? Are you behind a bush somewhere? I can't see you. I think God is searching for more. He's asking where they are relationally. But you see, the form of a question to them puts them at a place where they have to now actually search for that answer. And when God says, where are you? What is taking place within them hearing that from the God who they were close to? And maybe that's a question God is asking us. Where are you? And it's more than, well, I'm at church on Sunday. I'm at Magnolia Elementary School. No, really, where are you? You see, it's a question I have to ask myself many times. 
Or I feel that God asks that question of me many times. Because he wants to know, where am I in this relationship? Where am I in my relationship with God? How serious am I taking it or how distant is he? Am I also hiding because I really don't want to encounter God in my present situation and the things that are taking place in my life? And that kind of a question forces me to look at what is happening. It happens in our relationship. My wife and I will be talking and we'll say, well, we need to work on us. When she says that, my mind goes crazy. Like, what does she mean? Work on, what is, what is the area? And I start thinking probably of more areas that need work than maybe even she was thinking about. I'm thinking, oh man, I, I, I do need to spend more time with, she was just thinking, oh no, we just need to go out to eat. You know, I don't know. I could have got away with something. But no, it's a searching question that forces me to start asking more questions. And when God asks Adam, where are you? It was a soul-searching question, and it's a soul-searching question for us. Are you playing games with me? Am I a God who just fills your need, or do you realize that I'm a God that you are to serve and to worship and to live in obedience to. Where are you? And it's funny how a question forces us to places where we wouldn't normally go. See, I could tell you where you need to be, but when God asks, where are you? It means something more. And that's what questions do, is they're on a quest to find something out. And so his first question, where are you, I think is haunting. And the second one he asks is also revealing because he says, who told you that you were naked? See, God didn't come and say, hey, I, I see you're naked. But they were having a different conversation, a conversation that was now not governed by what God said about them. It was governed by what they thought of themselves. There was a different voice now in their lives, and it was no longer just the voice of God that they were listening to. You see, they ate of the fruit so that they could be like God, and now their voice is telling them, you're naked. And they're listening to that voice And that is now shaping who they are instead of the voice of God. And where they saw themselves as naked, they now named themselves that. It wasn't God who said they were naked. God didn't see them that way. They saw themselves that way. And I wonder what voices are we listening to? Who is shaping our lives? What are the things that are going on and we are giving ear to these things and how they will shape who we are and how we live? Is it how God sees us or is it how the world sees us? Is it how God thinks of us or is it how we think of ourselves? And I know sometimes we can have such 
problems and inferiority attitudes about ourselves where we're just never going to be good enough and we're never going to be acceptable to God. And I think God is saying, who told you you were naked? What voice are you listening to that is shaping your identity? Because it's not mine. Whose is it? And right on top of that question, he asked, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? And you see, at some point in our lives, we come to the place where am I living the way God wanted to me or am I wants me to live or am I doing something that God does not really want me to do? Am I living in line with who God is and who I know he is and what I know pleases him? Or am I eating of the fruit that he said, don't eat of that? And maybe we need to to shape this thought a little bit more. Are you doing the things that he told you not to do? Instead of trying to say, well, don't sin, don't do this. It's like, are you living the life God wants you to? Or are you not living the life God wants you to? Did you eat of that fruit that I told you don't eat of? And you see, what has to happen is we need to name what is happening. That's one of the steps in recovery. You own what it is you're doing. It's important that you own the things that you're doing so that you can take charge of those things in your life. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring those things to bear. He he wants those things to come up. Remember the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and he said, Master, must, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's a question. And Jesus says, well, you know the law. Do these things, keep these things. And he says, I've done all these things ever since I was a boy. And then Jesus said, take your wealth and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And what Jesus did is he put his finger on the thing, the fruit that that man wanted to eat and his Greed and his coveting and his wanting of those things was too much to let go of. And see, what Jesus was doing is saying, have you eaten of the fruit that I told you not to eat? That's what your problem is. Will you let go of that? And maybe this morning, even as we say that, have you eaten of the fruit that he told you not to eat? If something comes to your mind and says, this is an area of my life that I am partaking in that I know God doesn't want me to. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's the way you're conducting business. Maybe it's some part of your life that you just know is not the integrity that God wants you to have. And he's asking you that question because you need to name it. You need to own it. You need to see it for what it is and what it's doing to you. Because the reason they were naked is because they had left the place that God had for them. And that's what happens to us. When we choose to eat of whatever fruit that is, we find ourselves standing and our voice is telling us we are naked. And it's because of this. And so that question, again, brings about the power of what is holding them. It was this area of disobedience. And then he asks to the woman, but to us, 
what is this you have done? It's to the point, but it's probing. You see, what is this you have done? Oh, I've eaten the fruit. No, I've betrayed your trust. What is this you have done? Oh, I had an affair. But no, it's more than that, isn't it? No, I betrayed my wife, my children, my friends. I have brought shame to my family. What is this you have done? Oh, I've lied to get ahead at work, and now I've been a person who called themselves a Christian, but I've lived this bad example of what a Christian is. What is this you have done? It's more than the action. It goes into a probing of how does this action have a ripple effect on your life? What is this you have done? And how is it affecting the people around you? Because that is what's taking place. What you did has now had effects on everyone who is going to be involved with you. See, the father who's an alcoholic and says it only affects me doesn't realize the the trauma it causes to his family who can't talk to him when he's in that state, who walk on eggshells so that he won't explode. What is this you have done? And those things that you did now have to be owned And recognize, oh my gosh, look at the effect of the things I've done. And you'll find that the things that you hold on to, the fruit that you are eating, the things that you go to become the things that you will go to all the time. And so don't be surprised when when tragedy comes and you realize that you're naked and you cry out to God for help, but you reach for the bottle because that's your go-to. When you cry out to God, but you step into an unhealthy relationship because that's the fruit that you've been eating and that's your go-to. See, own the place you're at. Hear the question. And when it says, what have you done? Recognize the effects of our actions and how they affect not only us, but everyone around us. Now, God's questions can be a little bit haunting. And and I think if we are going to ask questions of God, he has the right to ask questions of us. I don't think God minds questions. I, I think what God gets upset about is when we think we know it all. When we start giving God counsel, when we start telling God, God, how could you do this? Don't you know? I've done this for you. I've lived my life in this way. How could you do this to me? And we start challenging God. I don't think God minds us. God, why is this happening to me? But when we start challenging how God works, I think we have to be able to listen to God and his questions. And there is a a series of passages in Job chapter 38. If you want, you can turn there where the Lord asks questions. You see, Job is one of the oldest books that we have in the scripture. 
And it's this account of a man that the storyteller tells us that he was an upright man, that he was blameless. He was a good man. But Job was also very rich. He had a lot of wealth. And then the wealth is taken away. And then not only is the wealth taken away, but through tragic circumstances, he loses his family, his children. And he's not only lost his wealth and his family, but his body is now plagued with sores from head to toe. And his wife comes up to him and he says, are you still holding on to your integrity? Just curse God and die. It's like, give up already. And then he has friends that come over and he has this discussion with his friends and his friends start telling him, well, you're in this condition because of these things. And they go back and forth and Job says, no, it's not my fault. And they say, well, it's because of this and it's because of this. And then Job starts saying, well, no, God is doing this. And all this conversation takes place for about 37 chapters. And isn't that what we like to do is discuss why things are happening. But then God speaks. And in chapter 38, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther? Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning? Or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. It features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouse of snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way of the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert? to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? 
from whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the water becomes hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of Pilates? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellation in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do you report, do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the ibis wisdom, or gives the rooster understanding. Who has wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lion when they crouch in their dens or lie wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven? When it's young, cry out to God and wander about for lack of food. Do you know the mountain goats give birth when they give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and they bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied its ropes? I gave it the wastelands as its home, the salt flats as its habitat. It laughs at the commotion in the town. It does not hear a driver shout. It ranges the hills for its pasture and searches for any green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will it stay by your manger at night? Can you hold it to the furrow with a harness? Will it till the valleys behind you? Will you rely on it for its great strength? Will you leave your heavy work to it? Can you trust it to haul your grain and bring to the threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, though they cannot compare with the wings and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Do you give the horse its strength or clothe its neck with a flowing mane? Do you make it leap like a locust, striking terror with its prod snorting, a paw fiercely rejoicing in its strength and charges into the fray? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. It cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, it snorts. Aha, it catches the scent of battle from afar. The shout of the commander in the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? It dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is its stronghold. 
From there it looks for food. Its eyes detect it from afar. Its young ones feast on blood. And where the slain are, there it is. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. We hunger for answers. We cry out with questions. But you see, true wisdom knows when to speak and when to be silent. When to ask of God and when to listen from God. And sometimes our questions will stand still in the silence of God who is greater than our ability to understand. And where God would welcome our question, he also wants us to remember our position. Because we see this much of a picture that is this big. And we will not understand the fathom depths of God and his ways. I know only what I have learned over these 56 years. And God is eternal. And so when I ask these questions, I ask them with an awareness of my understanding and an awareness of God's majesty. I ask them with respect. I ask them humbly. And I ask them with an awareness that if he were to answer the depths of all my questions, it would probably be beyond my ability to understand. But still, we want to know. And so as we are looking at questions, let's not forget that God also asks questions. He wants to know where we are. He wants to know whose voice we're listening to. He wants to know if we have taken the fruit that he told us not to eat. He wants to know what have we done? Because as God, he has the right to ask questions as well. And may we allow his questions to penetrate our heart, our minds, and allow us to meditate on these things and to shape our lives. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for all who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that these questions that we've looked at, that we would ask them of ourselves, Lord, that we would allow them to develop and shape us. And I, I pray for those who are here this morning and maybe are distant from you. When the question rings out, where are you? They, they're saying, I, I'm far from you right now, God.
And I pray, Lord, that they would see that you are drawing near to them and they in turn would draw near to you. God, for those of us who are hearing the other voices that are telling us we are not worthy of you, that are telling us that we are naked, that are telling us to be ashamed, may we hear your voice that searches out for us, that we are loved, that you have given your life for us so that we can have the life that you give. And Lord, maybe there is an area where we have taken the fruit that we shouldn't have. Lord, I pray for those who are in that position. May they repent. May they turn to you and away from whatever it is that is distancing them from you, God. And may we recognize where we are, that you are asking us these things because you want to know what have we done? And Lord, maybe the question needs to be asked, what are we going to do now? We've heard your voice. We've heard your majesty, even in the passages of Job. God, what are we going to do now? May we turn to you, be received by you, and enter into a deeper relationship with you, Lord. Let's stand together as we sing a song. May the Lord reign in your life, and may you hear his voice, and may he give you your name. May you open your heart to a God who cares, who wants to hear your questions. And may you allow him to speak and ask questions as well. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.